Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, we got a special guest for you today. Come up a little bit later on in the show. All these legal issues going on around college football. So we got Alicia Jessup going to come in. She's a law professor over at Pepperdine. She's been very active on Twitter. Follow on Twitter at Ruling Sports. So we're going to talk to her about 20 minutes or so about uh, unionization of players and all what could happen there, uh, about the liability issues with the other conferences. So Lots to get to uh, with her, what's going to be later on. But right now, I'm bringing in Keely Yor. She is on the line with me, and we're going to talk all about USC football, answer some questions, and talk about the interview uh, with uh, Alicia. Hello, hello, Ryan. Nice to talk to you again. Good to talk to uh, you. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I was just saying, it's finally sinking in this week that there's no football. I think there was so much madness last week that it was like, oh, okay, things are happening. And then this week, I was just like, wow, here we are. <laughs> it was like a gut punch. You know, yeah. and, but it was sort of like you don't, it didn't hurt right away. And then it's like, then you like lose your win. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. You, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I got to bruise a little bit. Like, that's how it felt once then, the adrenaline died down. And when the SEC schedule comes out and things like mm-hmm. that, you're like, yeah. Oh, man. There's some funny memes on Twitter and stuff, but we'll get to all that in a second. Just wanted to uh, let everyone know if you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at USC football dot com is email address or you could call us or text us at 424-254-9141 please subscribe uh, on apple podcasts or any of the podcasting apps and leave us positive feedback we love the five stars if you want to do that keely i'm going to put you on the spot i don't know if there's any new reviews we got in there but uh, my fingers are going so fast right and i'm trying to look it up oh yeah and just let people know uh, we got dan weber he's traveling so we're not gonna have dan on i was not on the show last week because i was traveling and now dan's traveling so we'll just have uh keely and myself do the first part of this episode but like i said we're gonna have alicia jessup uh, come on uh, and later on the show and some really interesting, uh, really interesting conversation. We already just recorded it a few minutes ago uh, mm-hmm. with her about, you know, some of the legalese of what's going on in college sports and, um, you know, college athletes becoming employees, all this kind of stuff. So it, that'll be interesting. But any uh, new reviews, Keely? Yeah, we did get one uh, new five star review from uh, Thomas Mendez from Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He says most reliable Trojan source. Everyone on the show is very intelligent on USC football and very respectful on every topic they discuss. Love to listen while I work every day. So thanks, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. That's really nice. Thank you. And what I love to say this on the podcast of champions too. We get, we get more of this. We get more snarky kind of reviews Mm. on that show. We want the five stars. The five stars really helps. But if you want to like rip us in the comments, that's fine too. Like if you're just like, uh, Ryan's a moron, you know, what I don't like, he, whatever it is, like you can, sure. you can do that, but just leave us the five stars. You don't want to leave like a one or three star and be like, uh, they're kind of mediocre. No, just put five stars and then just say we suck or whatever you want to do. And that's, that's good. It's sure. mostly happening on the podcast with champions, but feel free to do that. We get such funny, like, I think for the most part, the reviews for this show, we've been doing a long time mm-hmm. are, are, there's a lot of just genuine, you know, good reviews and people are happy and stuff. I don't know what it is, but we just started getting these really funny, snarky ones on the podcast of champions. And uh, I, I love reading them because they're just fun. It's just weird stuff. I think it matches the tone of your, your guys's podcast. Both, both of you are like snarky and funny and out there on the pod. So I think it matches the, the zeitgeist of the pod. Ah, that's fair. Uh, look at the zeitgeist as a word there. Yeah, I, I don't not, know why I threw that in there, but it'll work. It's good. Uh, but by the way, good job hosting last week. I was doing my hike and I had downloaded it uh, and uh, listened to you guys while I was oh, hiking nice. up a mountain. So it was fun, you know. Uh, nice. How was your hike? Was it good? Uh, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, <laughs> it was, it was hard. It was, uh, 19 and a half miles and wow. Yeah. Uh, but so I only have, I'm doing the six pack of peaks. I have one left, but unfortunately, uh, I think it's the apple fire. One of the fires has closed down the like San Gorgonio, uh, mm. wilderness area. So I was going to go maybe next week and climb it. But as of right now, it's shut down until further notice. So I might have to wait till that reopens, um, to finish my six pack, but yeah, it's been good. 
keep my nice. mind off stuff. No football, but I'm going out and doing hikes and trying to get by that way. Nice. Keeping yourself active. Trying to. Uh, you know, if you want to, like, eat some of the good stuff at Trader Joe's, you might want to stay active because, you know, there's some uh, some good things there. And I always kind of point, like, so the thing that caught my mind, my eye today uh, was the no-bake nut butter bar mix. And you can, oh. it's gluten-free, by the way, Kira. Hey, thank you. No That's baking. Gluten-free. Okay. Put some chocolate chips in there. Uh, and the good thing is you don't have to bake them. So because it's so hot, it's oppressively hot right now. I love a dessert that looks like it's baked and it wasn't. So you might want to go try that. And as Keely likes gluten-free, gluten-free uh, works, which seems strange. Like, like it looks like a, you know, a thick chocolate chip cookie. Like how's there no gluten in there? Interesting. Oh, I'll have to read the ingredients. Sometimes they do some, some tricks, some almond flour or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. but yeah, they, they show you the, uh, no bake chocolate chip nut butter bars. So I'm going to definitely have to try that. Um, cause baking right now, I like baking, but when it's hot, that's not, it's not really easy to do. Yeah. No, no, not, not at all. Not a huge fan. Uh, yeah. Turn the oven on in this. Uh, I did. I got a, um, thanks to USC psycho, a little shout out to him. If you guys know, uh, Roy, he tweeted something out about this, like smart pressure cooker thing. Like it's a crock pot pressure cooker. It's like connects the, to the instant internet. pot. It's like an Instapot, but it's like a smart one. So it connects to like the Wi-Fi and stuff. Oh, and wow. I guess he had just bought one and was like, hey, it was this day only 25% off or something on Amazon. And I was like, I could use one. And I went and bought it. So, nice. um, yeah. So I made, uh, put a, like a pork shoulder in there last night. It was good. Uh, but yeah, you can like, you know, you're out driving. And you're like, oh, I want to turn the temperature down on it. You can do it from your phone, like on an app. Oh, wow. That's nice. It's pretty Very fancy. Nice. But, Sounds uh, fancy. But it didn't heat up the whole house, which was nice. So, I, you know, I got to make some... Uh, Make some pork shoulder, and it didn't heat up the whole house, which is good. I don't know where we got. I got a lot of side. <laughs> We're all over the place. <laughs> I that's that's me. I, I, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, some of the we'll we'll get to uh, Alicia, like I said uh, later on, Alicia Jessup. But um, some interesting things because of you know what we're seeing right now. Uh, there's you know there was a lot of topics we wanted to get to. She didn't have a ton of time, but we did get to talk about the liability issues that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. Uh, could face and and also you know the big deal of being like player representation player unionization what it means we've had Dabo Sweeney make comments so we wanted mm-hmm. to kind of get her thoughts and all that and I was a little shocked you know she had some really interesting things to say and I think the one thing is for certain Keely that college football is going to be different going forward than it is now I don't know how different what, from what she's saying it could be very very different um, but you know there's going to be differences now that this, this pandemic is really just kind of shaking everything up. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has definitely shined a light on the fact that if these players are going to be put in positions where uh, could be dangerous to them, especially dangerous in a pandemic, they're going to need a collective uh, bargaining tool. And so the fact that they don't have one right now kind of uh, sheds light that, you know, they need it. And then at the same time, you have the background of name, image and likeness coming down the pipeline. And then you have the Alston versus the NCAA, the NCAA case that I think was decided on Tuesday, I think the Supreme Court said that they uh, agreed with the Ninth Circuit Court, I believe. So those two things in the ba- backdrop of players like uh, Trevor Lawrence saying that they want some type of union is really interesting because it seems like it's just going to look different, like you said. But the thing is, is like these things take time and they take a lot of hard work and, and, and due diligence. And I don't know if you have a pause on college football, like say if the entire Power Five pauses football. When it comes back, are people just going to be like, let's play. Let's not get into the nitty gritty of what we talked about before. Let's just get back on the field. That's something I don't know. Like, will a pause kind of put out the fire of what's happening right now? That's something that I think we'll have to see. Yeah, we just don't know. Um, And there's, you know, the lack of leadership is going to come up over and over again because there's Mm -hmm. a lack of leadership. We just don't see, uh, you know, there's not a commissioner of college football. And, you know, there's a lot of, issues as far as like each conference has their own you know power structure and but they don't agree right now and there's you know there's mm-hmm. conferences doing other things and you know and it was weird how it came together those two player movements kind of came together so quickly with the we are united and we want to play like kind of forming this you know bond together but to really get agreement across the board like that's just not going to be easy um, you might be able to do it, you know, for conferences or even with teams, it'd be hard, but to do it across all the college football players. And then, 
you know, potentially all student athletes, like that's a lot you need. There's gotta be some kind of structure there. And like you said, timing wise, it's just going to take, that's going to take a lot of time to, it might be the right thing to do, but there's not something you're gonna be able to do overnight or in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that how much in anything you do, there's going to be internal politics at play. And so to get that unity, there's, there's always going to be that one guy who says, you know, well, if I say I'm going to play, maybe I'll be the starter when I'm the backup right now or something like that, you know? So the thing about like, they have power if everyone is on the same page and everyone says that they're going to boycott or not play and going forward. I don't know if you can get that unity. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, we will see. There's, there's a lot going on right now. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. we're in this limbo time, Keely. This is what I like yes. to call it. So we got, we talked about the gut punch, uh, the big 10 and the PAC 12, uh, deciding that, you know, they were going to shut down college football and with the PAC 12, there doesn't seem to be, there was unity. Like everyone seemed to agree. And it certainly doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt the cause of shutting down when you still look at the LA schools, and you can't do, you couldn't practice. Like practice could have started yesterday. Yeah. Maybe the LA schools wouldn't be able to do it. The California schools, uh, they can use a football, but there's like, I think you got to wear gloves and there's like, it's got to be cleaned all the time. There's like major restrictions with doing that, but they mm-hmm. still can't gather in groups of more than like 12 people. You can't practice college football with only 12 people at a time. So like I get, I think the PAC 12 is sort of like, a lot of people don't like it, but it's sort of been accepted. The Big Ten is a mess right now, which usually yeah. you'd be saying about the Pac-12. Like there's, you know, st- people signing petitions. They're trying to get, you know, players getting revolting. Nebraska was revolting for a while. Then they backed off. But they're, you know, they got a brand new commissioner. And they, it just seems like it's a bit of a, a mess where the Pac-12, I don't know if you're just like, eh, you know, that's going to happen. But the way it is in California, it just seems so hard for it to go forward. I don't know. With the Big Ten, Keely, it just seems like that. That is a mess, which isn't helping because it just shows like other people questioning, hey, you really shouldn't have canceled. You should have just like delayed a little bit. Yeah. And I said this on the on the the live show is that I think what ha- like they the Pac-12 bragged about their unity. And I think what helped their unity was, like you said, there are state and local restrictions that just can't make this possible. Or maybe in the Big Ten, you have more leeway. And so I think the Pac-12 uh, CEO group was like, look, even if we wanted to, we can't. So why are we going to go forward when it's not safe? Whereas things that are coming out of the Big Ten, I the one eighty suggested that they didn't even really have a vote. Did you see that, Ryan? There was, yeah, and there were some reports that there were the vote was eight to six, and there was other reports that were like, well, it wasn't technically a vote, but that's just what you know we had kind of decided. And yeah, it's you know when you have a, a leadership transition, it's tough when something yeah. bad, like horrible happens and. Uh, that's that's kind of what's happening there. It's it's a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, what do you think this does for Kevin Warren? Do you regain power back after making such a big decision like this and then having people kind of revolt underneath you? What does it look like going forward for the Big Ten? I think Kevin Warren is not rooting for young football players to get sick or anything, but he's rooting for the SEC, the Big Ten, I mean, the Big 12 and the ACC to somehow come to the realization that you got to cancel football, then it doesn't matter. Like then if everyone does it, it's fine. The fact that there's other, you know, rival schools, uh, you know, across the way that are playing, I think that's what looks worse for him, but we're seeing this virus pop up everywhere. Notre Mm -hmm. Dame. I mean, as we were talking, Notre Dame. Uh, so the president, uh, father, John Jenkins said, Notre Dame is moving undergrad classes to remote instruction for at least two weeks. And the quote was, if these steps to slow the virus spread are not taken, we will send students home like we did last spring. That's what Jenkins said. According to Brett McMurphy, he said, in other words, no students, no football. So basically, it's sort of like a warning, like, hey, you guys got to make sure you're doing that. So it's been a week, but we're going to start seeing it's been a week since the decision from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. But Mm -hmm. schools are coming back. You know, students are coming back to campus. North Carolina had shut everything down. Uh, as far as students go. So I think in this case, you're just waiting to see what happens. But there's been some, I guess, some trending things in the wrong direction if you're if you're rooting for college football this fall. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very messy situation and it's a very uncertain situation. And I think just coming out of the, the press conference on Wednesday with USC's team doctor, it seemed like the way the Pac-12 and Big Ten went was 
I mean, every Power Five conference is having uncertainty. And the Pac-12 and Big Ten took that uncertainty and said, this is a reason for us to pause. Whereas I think the Big 12, ACC, and SEC are saying, it's uncertain. So that means that we don't necessarily have to come to a conclusion yet. And so I think it's just who's being who's erring on the side of caution and who's not. USC's team doctor was like, I hope we're blowing myocarditis out of proportion. I hope we're wrong. But if we're not, we want to take the, the safest measures going forward. So I just think it's interesting the different approaches each conference is taking to, to the uncertainty and just how messy it is to try and continue normal life in a pandemic. Yeah, it was described to me by that the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten looked at the myocarditis stuff and was like, we just don't know enough about it to really safely go forward, where the other conferences were like, we don't know enough about it to shut it down. So yeah, it's sort of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sort of was like, that's how way you look at it. Um, you know, I, and it, it was, a you know, that one study with the German study was like, like 100 people, but the numbers were like staggering. But I've had people tweet me that that study was flawed. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm no expert. I just don't know what's going on. So we'll, hopefully we'll know a little bit more. And, and the, you know, the, uh, the saliva test, um, that's mm-hmm. the rapid, what was it? Rapid saliva? I forget what they call it, but there was, yeah. that was one of the issues that we knew was going to be a big deal um, that you could, you needed testing that you could do quickly and get fast turnaround and stuff. So we're, it, it seemed to be getting closer on that uh, respect, which is good if you can just have, students wake up or you know athletes wake up and spit on a thing and and <laughs> hand it in and and know in like an hour if they have they have it or not like makes a lot of sense if you can do that yeah yeah i mean it'll be interesting going forward because it seemed like usc and just schools in general are, are hoping that testing will definitely be better towards january but the thing going back to the uncertainty is that um they they came out with that German study around like July, end of July. And as it was told to me, it was like, if we don't, if we figured out something that could be long-term with your heart, what could we find out at the end of this month or next month that we don't know? And it's good. It just goes back to that uncertainty is that we don't know what we're, what we're in for with coronavirus long-term. And I think once again, caution was taken with the big 12 and uh, the big 10 and Pac-12, whereas the other conferences are just going forward. Yeah, um, we will see. I don't know. I'm so tired of talking about viruses. I don't know anything about. <laughs> you sound tired talking about it. <laughs> it's just like you know it. It's I either want to see the ACC start their season or everybody shut it down. Like I just need that to happen. Like that. This is the the limbo time. I was I was calling it this the day this happened because I knew there would be a limbo time. I knew there would be mm-hmm. this time when things are going to happen. So the SEC they start September 26th. Uh, the ACC is September 10th, so they're they're a lot closer. Wow. Um, and then I think the Big 12 is also September 26th. So they got nine conference games and one out-of-conference game. Um, but, yeah, I'd either want to see someone – I want to see Clemson play on the 10th or I want to see everybody just say stop. So how many days do we got till that? Like we got some time, but – Yeah, know. like a month. <laughs> uh, that's three weeks. Three weeks or so, yeah. So we'll see. This limbo, this limbo period is what's going to – uh, kill me because I think if the other conferences shut it down, there'll be some people that are mad, but at least everyone's on the same page. Like, that's the problem yeah. is that everyone's not. Could you imagine like the American League going forward and the National League <laughs> shutting it down? Like, oh gosh, National League's I mean, like, nope, we want our pitchers to we want our pitchers to hit, so we are not going to play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, could you imagine if the SEC and, and those conferences pull this off? Like, what happens to Larry Scott and Kevin Warren? Like, did they look dumb at that point like can you can you imagine a scenario ryan where this they actually pull this off yeah i mean if for kevin warren he's new like that pretty much it's yeah that's not good like it's you 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 take office or whatever it's like um what was it uh so george was it george w bush when he takes office and you have like 9 11 happen like you know soon into like you have this major thing happening you're going to be criticized how you handle it and there's not going to be like a in in that case you know, there's not this like clear whatever, like, oh, you should have did this, you should have done that, whatever it was. Like you could argue like everything he did was wrong or right, whatever you can. But this is gonna be a really clear, like, you shut it down, but your rivals didn't, and they had a great season. And someone won and like Alabama won the national championship and every no one got sure. sick. And like then you just look off. Like it's there's no debate. It's like you made the wrong decision. Like in that case, yeah. like it's gonna be hard to argue. For Larry Scott, he gets so much criticism anyway. I don't know how much it would matter, but Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, like he's on his way. He can't, I mean, that would be, I feel like his, 
you know, there's been a whole bunch of extra nails in his coffin. It's been buried. Uh, you know, there's been a, a funeral for him and all this stuff. And <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing. You're just like cementing over the, the ground that his grave is on. Like that, I like, yes, like he could never come back from like, if you, if someone thinks that he's going to get rehired or re-signed by the PAC 12, like, I mean, I'll, I'll probably, we'd have probably have to stop the podcast of champions if that happens. But at this point, yeah. If the sec goes, has a great season and nobody gets sick. He's done. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, you probably, he'd probably have to walk away. Like if, if Clemson kicks off on September 10th, maybe he just walks out of the, he's like, all right, I'm done. Um, <laughs> you know? So you, so you think it would ex- expedite the process. That's all I was suggesting. I think so. Yeah. I think this okay. would sort of like push, you know, is it, I, and he would have to just look into himself like, you know what, maybe I'm just not good at this. Uh, I know I'm getting 5 million a year, but I'm going to walk away and just like let someone else uh, run this craziness. But, yeah, the Pac-12 is in I, – I don't know what looks worse. Is it the Big Ten is going bananas right now that they close things or the Pac-12 isn't, right? Like, does that just mean that the, the Pac-12 is smarter? And I've talked to people around. They still think everything's going to get shut down at some point. Yeah. But we're not seeing the kind of pushback in the Pac-12 that we're seeing in the Big Ten. And, you know, maybe it's just because, you know, it's the right thing and maybe it's just because people don't care as much. I don't know. I mean, they stressed that they were all united in that in that press conference last week, and, and it's hold up so far. I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying. I think they tried to err on the side of caution and go for student health versus maybe revenue. Um, and I think, like we said, it, it goes back to local and state regulations. I think either way, their their hands were tied. And I think it was just a simpler solution to say, we need to postpone this rather than push forward because what do you do if, if four of your, your 12 com- or schools can't really ho- hold a football, let alone practice? Yeah. Uh, and, and the SEC, they're going to have fans. Like, there's not even, there's not even like, not only we're having a season, but you can come watch. And they're not doing that. Like, I don't think they're doing like anywhere in the world. Like, like I, yeah. that <laughs> could be a real problem. It seems like it's just we're operating on different planets a little bit. I remember around 4th of July, and everyone who's listened to this podcast knows how I felt about the trend of where college football was going to go. And I was calling it that, like, I was like, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to have football. And I was doing a, a, a radio show with an SEC uh, uh, station, and they sounded so shocked when I even suggested the possibility. It's just so funny how, you know, different parts of the country, I think they're just on different different wavelengths. Yeah. And the testing, um, we're seeing weird, like, I think Liberty with, you know, Hugh Freeze was like, we're not going to do any testing, you know, just like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't get that. Um, you know, North Carolina has this big outbreak. I think they're still only testing, uh, once a week. It's sort of like, you don't want to know the, like the potential, uh, bad news, uh, of what's going on there. But yeah, yeah. New Zealand, I think might've had like people in the stands for different sporting events, but you know, they, and they, they had no cases for months, I think. And then now yeah. they're starting to get some again, but mm-hmm. um, I, th- you know, that's one of those things where the sec, I, I'm having a hard time picturing fans being in the stands for something like that. Like I there's, you could make an argument that the viral load that you have playing football, even with the sweat and the, all that stuff. Um, if it's brief contact, which it is uh, you know, Maybe that's not going to be enough to transmit the disease. It's really more about, you know, to me, it's more about your internal workings and having all these people in a meeting room and things like that, that where it could get trans, you know, transmitted around. But I mean, you see the NBA complete bubble and even inside the bubble, I mean, they're still doing things like their social distance inside the bubble. I'm like, well, once you're in the bubble, you should be safe. But the, you know, the announcers are like separated by plexiglass. Um, you know, the, the benches, everyone's like, you know, four feet apart or whatever, like you're not sitting next to anybody. They're really taking it seriously. And it's obviously it's working. Like I've been watching NBA basketball and stuff, Yeah, but that's in a bubble and they're doing it. And like now SEC football wants to act like with less, you know, stringent uh, restrictions or whatever than, than the, the NBA is like, I, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. And, and you have to keep in mind that a lot of these schools still have students back on campus like it's normal i mean did you see over the weekend chris owens this uh, one of the centers for alabama tweeted out a picture of students at a bar <laughs> and it was just like what <laughs> like how do you expect your student athletes to stay safe if the the rest of the student population is not abiding by maybe proper covid 
precautions. Yeah. Well, I mean, North Carolina probably is going to get a break by having everything yeah. go online because now the student athletes that are still there, they don't have to deal with all those, you know, Notre Dame, same thing. Like that's probably better for Notre Dame football that all the other students are going home, um, you know, online for a couple of weeks. And, you know, you can argue that you shouldn't, you know, if that's the case, the athletes shouldn't be there either. But um, yeah, we'll see what that, but it's just so weird to see what's going on as we get closer and closer. I mean, the back of my mind, Keely is still like, this is going to get shut down. Yeah. But I, I mean, there's part of me that's rooting for it to work. Like, Hey, we can we, to overcome, you know, like yeah. now it's not good for the PAC 12. It's not good for the big 10, but I mean, in general, like if, if the SEC can play in a month, then USC can play in the spring, right? Or, you know, yeah. USC can play next fall at least. But, like, I I kind of want just the concept proven somehow that, hey, we can make this work. And I, I just want I just want us to win. I want to get us a win, you know? <laughs> and having football in the fall would be some sort of win, even though it's not the team we cover or the region that we live in. Yeah, no. I mean, you always root for normalcy, I guess, in this case. But I think it ultimately comes down to safety. If the players can do it safely, then of course I'm rooting for 100%, even if it's not a, a conference I cover. But I, everyone knows I don't think it's possible to do it uh, completely safely. So I don't know. But yes, I'm always rooting for a win in that sense. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see uh, what happens. I think Justin Fields started a petition too from the Ohio State quarterback uh, to move on and uh, let the Big Ten players play a season in the fall. Uh, so it's it's already had like almost 300,000 people sign it. So there's there's definitely some infighting and stuff uh, of what's going on there where we're not really seeing that in, in the Pac-12. But I, at least the Pac-12 looks better than the Big Ten right now where they just made a sure. decision like, hey, that's what we, we, we did. We're going to move on. Um, and this is why I was really worried when this came down that the Pac-12 would do this alone. Uh, and I you could justify the reasons were there like that they could do it, but man, I think it would have looked bad if the big 10 right now was going on to play. I mean, the Pac-12 would be getting absolutely crushed. There's like the big 10 has been kind of like a shield, uh, especially <laughs> with their infighting over there that that's helped the, the Pac-12. But if it was the Pac-12 alone shutting down, yeah, I, that, that would not be good right now. It would be controversial, but here's a, a thought experiment. If the big 10 announced when they did, but for some reason, the Pac-12 waited to announce this week. But then the infighting started. Do you think the Pac-12 will still announce based on what's happening with the Big Ten right now? Or would they wait? Like, if they saw infighting, do you think the Pac-12 will still, would still go forward? I think so. I mean, the people yeah. you talked to around the Pac-12 was like, they were going to do it anyway. Which, it looks like you're following the Big Ten, which I kind of think they were. And it makes it easier. Yeah. But the the feeling I got, I didn't get an, you know disingenuous feeling from anyone that this is the only reason like they they came to this conclusion on their own it's just easier that the the big 10 was doing it too yeah no i i agree well should we uh get to we have a few questions this week you want to get to those and uh then we sure. can get to our guests yeah we have a question for, or an email from our buddy eric in duck country who says uh ryan dan and keely if you were in charge of college football what would 2021 look like thanks as always eric so eric i guess this depends on what 20, I mean, what happens now? Like, mm -hmm. we don't know if if the Big if the Big Ten and Pac-12 are the only conferences that don't play. I would like to see them have some sort of season in the spring, shortened, you know, division only, something like that, and then have a little conference tourney or something, whatever it is. You get eight games in there, take some time off, and then and come back in the fall. Um, and it, you know, it depends on what the SEC, the, the big 12 and the ACC do, do, you know, does their seasons work out okay? Or are there a bunch of canceled games? Um, and then, you know, where we go from here, I, I think trying to have a normal 2021 football season is probably going to be tough at this point, like as yeah. far as full fans in the stands and things like that. So I don't mind if you have to, just to get a season in, you do a little tweaking and do a spring one or a winter spring one. And then you got to tweak with the fall one, which there's people that hate this idea. So I'm sorry <laughs> if you're those people that just say, no, no spring won't work ever. Work. Which, <laughs> it just, it just baffles me. It's like, but I, I think you have to look at all kind of options. Um, I would like 2021 to be as normal as possible and they could have fans in the stands, but I just, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. but we'll see. I don't know. What do you think? I think I would start. So am I like the czar of college football? I'm going to interpret. Sure, yeah, yeah, czar it up. I would, <laughs> sorry, no, I would start a committee now 
for solely for the 2021 fall season so that like we will see what happens with both fall and spring 2020 and 2021 see like see what works see what works in the NFL and try and like base a model off of that so that way we have like no interruptions or anything like that so that way everyone's prepared to play in fall there will be no interruptions I would think it would be a delayed start, and I think we've shown that they can do a delayed start. And I would go conference only, but then expand the playoff system so that you have like a true winner. Um, I think that's what I would do. I would just make sure that, given the time that we have now, we're ready for 2021, so that we definitely have football at least in fall 2021. I like that because there's a lot of series that get interrupted, where like USC Notre Dame or you know, Stanford and Notre Dame and um, you know, if those are, those are interrupted with the conference game. So maybe you don't, you skip two years of non-conference games and mm-hmm. you give it an opportunity to expand the playoffs, which I was hoping they were going to try to do yeah. this time around, uh, but didn't, but I, I feel like the big 10, the PAC 12, if they're the only ones to go in the spring, they could get a little something in. It's kind of like an expanded spring practice with, you know, a handful of games, nothing too crazy, but it gives players a chance to play and you know, you can all those new assistant coaches that new systems and things like that put in place. Yeah. A bunch of people will opt out. That's going to happen. But if you get back to 2021, it can't be fully normal. You do what was you were trying to do this year and what the ACC and them were trying to do this year conference only, but you have a bigger playoff. And then I think it would be kind of fun. Um, You can kind of make it better and then hopefully get back to normal, normal in 2022. But uh, I know there's some people who are just saying that 2021 should be exact normal. And if you want that, if you want just the whatever 2020 was supposed to be, you probably don't want to play in the spring at all. Um, and you probably, really? I would think, because like. Just the delays and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big, I'm, I'm not someone that's saying like, you know, playing that many games in a year is terrible. Um, I think they could have several months off. Uh, and if, I think, you know, Jeff Brahms, plan that he drew up was like you would actually have less padded practices that way than if you just did a regular you know spring football and all the fall camp and things like that but yeah so much has to change between now and then I mean it's just it's such a non-start for the team we cover if you can't have more than 12 people gather (laughs) there's there's nothing you can do like you can't have a football practice right now so yeah it's sort of like what's normal gonna be like I don't know but I just need we just need to get to the point where USC players can lift a weight inside if they want, um, throw <laughs> yeah. a football around and, you know, have more than 12 people be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, no matter what happens and even if there isn't a czar, cause there's likely not, there needs to be some type of plan and, and taking advantage of the time you have now, because like the clock for 2021 fall is already, it's already on the, you're already on the clock. So I think if you have to, you've, you take the tips and tricks you get from the NFL and start applying it to what you can do next year. I think that's the only way you continue on with some type of normalcy. Otherwise I feel like we could be in for what we had this year, just in a couple months. Yeah. I think you have to, you you know, utilize the data that you have. I think people didn't want to. And I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of people that say the spring will never work, not going to happen. You know, just, so definitive about something that's like five months away and yeah. the virus that changes every day. I don't get it, but I feel like those people just wanted it to happen their way with like, Hey, let's play in the fall. That didn't happen. I don't even want to look at anything else. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. Um, but I think you have to learn from what happens. You, you have three conferences, major conferences, plus some other, you know, some group of five ones going forward and trying it. They maybe don't get there. Maybe they don't get to the first game. Maybe they get through a couple of games. We don't know. Whatever they do is extra than what we're seeing the Pac-12 and Big Ten do. So you kind of learn from that. The NFL is going to go forward. They're going to play. Yeah. We're going to learn from that. And then you want to kind of come up with a with a plan, like you were saying. I feel like people were just kind of holding out hope that the fall season was going to work, and no one yeah. really even explored the spring and I know Pete Thamel someone that brought that up months ago that that's something you should look at like move the TV contract just move it there um and you know people weren't really willing to look at that but depending on the data we see over the you know from all the other sports but mostly the football stuff then maybe that will motivate people to come up with some sort of plan for whatever it is spring fall next year whoever whatever it is 
Yeah. Yeah. I think the reluctance and kind of the disorganization ultimately contributed to what we're seeing right now. Whereas I think if people got on board together and were aggressive in trying to prevent the spread and also just like aggressive in knowing what you need to know, I think it would go much better. Yeah. (laughs) So the next two questions we have are similar. So I'm going to read them both at the same time. Okay. First up, it's from Brett C from Knoxville who says, hi guys, my question is for Ryan Keeley and Dan, since the PAC 12 canceled the fall season, is it time that USC goes independent and moves out of the PAC 12? like to hear your guys' thoughts about it. And then uh, our buddy Dan Klatsch of 1962 said, my thanks to all of you for addressing US- USC concerns in addition to football. With this hiatus from sports, is this a good time for the USC administration to assess the relationship of, uh, of USC to the Pac-12 and the role that USC football plays nationally? The reality is that the Pac-12 is becoming irrelevant nationally and USC is a national brand. Independence, alignment, with other conferences like the SEC or Big Ten or even spearheading a realignment of the Power Five conferences should be on the table if USC wants to continue as a national sports powerhouse. This is a decision-making time for USC's administration. As an alum, I would not be satisfied with anything less than keeping USC in national power. If it takes more money, then where will we get the money? Fight on and win. Dan, class of 1962. So, so two, like, independent-ish questions. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Brett, uh, in Knoxville. And uh, mm-hmm. Dan, I don't think... This is a great time to explore something like that. Um, I think when we had Mike Bone on the podcast and he said, you know, all options are on the table, it really are. They, they are. And I don't think anything can necessarily happen until 2024. And if, if you want a positive sign, there was talk from the conference about selling an equity stake and maybe having a technology company be a part of it. Well, that was going to involve all the schools like signing off their TV rights for many years beyond 2024. And according, I think it was John Wilner or Kanzana, I forget which uh, great Pac-12, both great Pac-12 reporters mm-hmm. said that USA needs to like push back on that. And they're like, no. So that's a good thing. You're keeping your options open to, to make that happen. USC has to get their, their stuff in order. Like you have to be, it's an attractive brand, obviously, but they've been, it's been, so poorly run for so long. Yeah. You need a couple of years of, of Mike Bone, Brandon Sausen and all those guys to, to, to fix things up, you know, make good hires, get everything in the, in the right spot. Um, you know, figure out what you're doing in football and go forward. And I think if you do that, you keep the option open for joining another conference or going independent if you have to. But there was a, you know, I think there was a story in the athletic about Notre Dame actually making less money as an independent than they would if they were full on the ACC, but just something they wanted to do um, that they, if the Notre Dame would actually have made more money, even if they were in the PAC 12 uh, than their contract. Wow. Now, maybe there's something that, you know, I don't know how long ago that NBC contract was signed, but you would think a brand like that, you could actually make, you know, significantly more money, um, you know, going alone. But we talked about USC and Notre Dame signing like a joint NBC deal. They're the two teams that NBC covered. Who knows? Uh, or joining the Big 12 or whatever it is, doing something. I think USC just has to keep those options open because then when the new TV deal comes up, you at least, you're either going to look at something like, hey, we can join this conference and it's going to be a big deal. Or you know, we're going to get a better deal from the PAC 12 because we're not just going to go along with what everyone says uh, in that conference anymore. At least you, you, you come from a more, you know, you're negotiating from a position of power as opposed yeah, to just yeah. going along for the ride, which basically like what Pat Hayden was doing. Mm-hmm. In that sense, how important is it for USC's administration or athletic administration to get their ducks in a row as far as becoming uh, what they were brand wise and like football team reputation wise, once those the negotiating time comes up. I mean, like, cause right now, if it was USC, they don't have much power because they don't even go to the Pac-12 championship. You know what I mean? How much, how important is it for them to return to what they are without even trying to go independent? Yeah. To me, it's very important. And uh, if we want to do like a food analogy, um, <laughs> it's been so long, it's been a while. I mean, what's a, like, like a famous old, you know, Los Angeles restaurant that's got a lot of, star power and like, you know, pictures, uh, you know, black and white photos on the wall, like a Dantana's or something, you know, whatever it is, some, you know, famous LA restaurant that has all the history and tradition and everything. And, um, yeah, and, but it hasn't been run well, maybe recently, I'm not saying about any of those restaurants, but it's just, you know, you still have that tradition there and it's got the name recognition and there's value, 
but there'd be more value if the, you got a better chef in there and you got, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and it got more buzz and like the young Hollywood crowd wanted to come in. It wasn't just the old timers. And I feel like that's where USC is, where it's still a very valuable uh, property. Like I, you, you know, if the big 10 or the SEC or the big 12 or whatever, they were going to look at adding, you know, Los Angeles, the second largest media market, um, you know, 11 national championships, seven Heisman's, all that stuff. There's a lot there, but if they had actually, you know, won the PAC 12 and made a college football playoff in the last year or two, then it brings even more, like that's more tangible now stuff where it's like, Hey, they're, they're relevant again. They're, yeah. they're relevant in college football. Right now, USC hasn't been relevant in college football for a while. Yeah. And I think you could be, which would make that even more, you know, more valuable. And with being, it's like this more valuable chip that you could play and, and, and use as leverage. You know, yeah. You could use it as leverage for different, you know, with your conference or wherever you would join. And it might be something where USC and UCLA want to team up and, or, you know, a, a few schools go and join the big 12. I don't know, but um, depending on where things go and like, the Big 12 is appealing because you get to you own your own tier three rights where that's why, uh, you know, the Longhorn Network exists. And that's why yeah. Oklahoma can charge. I think they charge like $60 for like some of their games, pay-per-view. Um, you get an extra revenue stream. And if you're USC, it's valuable. Your your third tier stuff is valuable, more valuable than like Oregon State would be or something. So there's value there uh, by joining those other conferences. So they that's something they could realize and and get extra out of the pack 12 right now it's pretty much it's just even split across the board now is that fair i i mean if everyone's making a ton of money it'd be one thing but the as usc is carrying a lot of that value and they're not getting you know they get the same share as all the other schools so yeah that's something if you're mike bone you can kind of use to negotiate and obviously if you're nationally relevant and you're recruiting at a high level and you're making the college football playoff then it makes uh, your case even stronger yeah yeah without a doubt well, that's yeah. all we have for questions. Yeah, Mr. good stuff Abraham. there. Uh, I feel bad that you know we don't got Dan on these. I, I'm sure he would have I some know. thoughts. I still read his name just for for his sake. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good. Um, all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and then we're going to come back uh, with our special guest. I'm looking forward to this one, Keely. Sweet. Yes. Um, all right. Back in a minute, and we'll be back with uh, Alicia Jessup. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Special guest, Alicia Jessup. Uh, she's follow her on Twitter, at Ruling Sports. She is a sports law professor at Pepperdine, and she also writes for The Athletic and The Washington Post. Lots of legal issues going on in the world of college football now, so we wanted to bring uh, Alicia on and talk about it. So thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, hopefully everything's going okay. I think the big thing we, you know, you were you had a really good uh, thread of tweets back when we started to see. It's probably a little over a week ago. The hashtag We Are United and hashtag We Want to Play movements were out there. The We Are Uniteds talking about that fifty percent revenue split, and then the We Want to Play um, had some different, you know, different restrictions and requirements of what they wanted to see, but also threw a little caveat on there that they wanted some kind of player representation, maybe alluding to forming a union, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, the legal ramifications of what that, you know, what that would do to college football if the players were getting what they wanted here. 
Yeah, so this is a trend that we see when there is something crazy going on in the marketplace, that trend being um, people who are laborers asking for greater rights. And so college football players followed that trend last week when they set forth their demands for returning to play amidst a global pandemic. And laden in those demands was a line item of let us organize. And so on the surface, what that demand looks like is the players seeking for someone outside of the NCAA to help them navigate the return to play. We've seen different approaches taken, not just at the university level as it relates to return to school and return to play, but also at the conference and um, yeah, the conference levels with certain conferences saying we're playing fall sports others not playing fall sports and the NCAA even canceling fall championships. And so what these men were seeking on the face from that tweet was arguably an outside independent authority who exists solely to look out for their best interest as it comes to assuring that the proper protocols are put in place for them to come back to the game. Behind the scenes, though, there's something that a lot of people aren't talking about related to these requests that the players made. And that thing is the California Fair Pay to Play Act and other name, image, and likeness bills that states like Colorado and Florida have enacted in the last 12 months and federal Congress is working into enacting as well. And what those laws do is, for the first time, they give college athletes a right that most Americans have to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Well, in order to really benefit from those rights, in order for these young men and women to have the greatest opportunity to capitalize, they're going to have to enter into what are called group licensing contracts. So a group licensing contract is where a company like EA Sports, the video game company that was the maker of the now defunct NCAA video games, a video game maker like EA Sports, to create that video game, they can't go through the marketplace and sign individual contracts with 1,200, for instance, football players. They prefer to sign one contract with a group. Well, to do that, the group needs to be organized and they need to be excuse me, they need to be represented by a singular party. And so I think to get to your initial question, yes, there was a request for organization on the surface. That request was made to protect these young men as they return to the field of play. But beyond COVID return to play, there's deeper issues arising in college sport that arguably necessitate organization. For As far as organization goes, if you're so- talking about some sort of union, it looks like the college football players or the college athletes would have to be employees of either university or the conference or the NCAA. Obviously that opens up a a can of worms. I've talked to some people that felt like you don't want college athletes to be employees. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. People could get fired. You know, essentially you're an employee. You could be fired. You could, you know, some of the benefits you have of being a student athlete, you might lose as an employee. Is there a way for, do you feel that that's like employ, like employment for college athletes would be quote unquote bad? And is there a way to do it without them being classified as employees? If that's the case. Okay. Yeah. So there's two questions there. Let's, let's touch on the employee question first. I completely disagree with people who say categorizing revenue producing NCAA athletes as employees is bad. And when people make the argument that, okay, well, if they're categorized as an employee, then they can be fired. I think that's a really short-sighted argument because you look at the landscape of the NCAA presently um, and universities have the option to either award one-year renewable scholarship offers, which most of them do, or four-year renew, excuse me, four-year um, scholarship offers that carry through until the NCAA athlete completes his or her degree. If you look at how the roster at universities, especially like Alabama, which has competed in four out of the five college football playoffs and won a number of championships during the last half of decade, if you look at how Nick Saban manages his roster, you'll see a player on there during spring practice and then suddenly he's not there come the fall. 
what's going on there. Um, arguably, men at that program, for example, are being treated like employees who are expendable if another worker comes along who can do the job better. So I actually think that college athletes in Power 5 Division One revenue-producing sports meet the criteria to be an employee. Um, we've seen that with the Northwestern Football Players 2014 unionization attempt. And the reason why that's important goes to the second part of the question related to unionization. So in the tweet storm, if you will, by players like Clemson's quarterback and other top college football players, again, that um, warning, if you will, of their possible organization was waged. And so the question became, are these young men like Trevor Lawrence thinking about creating a union or what kind of organization are they going to create? The word union is thrown around pretty frequently in our American nomenclature, especially in an election year. But there's actually deep legal meaning to the word. Not every organization of workers meets the criteria of being a union. Under federal law, um, we have a body of law called the National Labor Relations Act, which was enacted in 1935. And it specifies that employees in the United States have the right to unionize. Not every person who does work meets the threshold of being an employee to obtain that right to unionize under the National Labor Relations Act. So as it relates to these young men's ability to form a union, the threshold question is first, are they employees? Um, we do have some precedent that arguably demonstrates that they are in fact employees, but the bigger hurdle for them is in FBS football, we have 128 member institutions in the power five, there's 65 and not all of those institutions are private schools. The National Labor Relations Act, that law that gives American employees the right to unionize, it only applies to private sector employers. So for instance, I know we're on a USC podcast, arguably the USC Trojan football team could wage a unionization attempt, but their crosstown rivals, UCLA, because UCLA is a public school, could not do the same. So that's the biggest barrier to unionizing as a group. Um, we've seen the entity that oversees the National Labor Relations Act, which is called the National Labor Relations Board. We have seen their disinterest in allowing one team at one school to unionize as ultimately the board did not allow Northwestern football players to move forward with a unionization vote, essentially on the grounds of protecting the NCAA's competitive balance argument. All right. Uh, Keely, do you have anything? Yeah, I was just wondering as far as terminology, I know you're much more, you know, much more than I do. I, I Some coaches have come out saying that they would be, um, they would allow or be for an association versus maybe a union. Do those words matter? I'm sure they do legally. Is there something different? Is it easier to be an association versus maybe a union? Yeah, great question. So the words are different. Um, what will likely happen with these young men is that they're going to form something called a trade association. And so a trade association is just a private nonprofit association that exists to represent the rights of a certain group of people. So here in Los Angeles, probably the most recognized trade association would be the MPAA that oversees individuals in the motion pictures industry. Um, so there's a possibility that they could form something like that. And those organizations, what they do is they help organize a group of people who have similarly situated interests. And so that is very valuable but they don't have the teeth, if you will, that a union has because the union is that specially formulated legal entity that is allowed to be created under that federal law, the National Labor Relations Act. And so what we really need to dig into is why are coaches like Dabo Swinney saying, oh, yeah, I'm for organization, but I'm not for unionization? Well, the answer to that lies below the surface with what do college football players have to be categorized to unionize? They have to be categorized as employees. So arguably what Swinney is saying, but not really saying with his direct language, is I don't want my football players to be deemed employees. Huh, 
why don't you want them to be deemed employees? Well, because if they're employees, we actually have to negotiate a fair wage. We're going to have to look at things like overtime. There's research that shows the average college football players spend in the FBS spend 60 hours per week on football-related activities. We're going to have to reassess their health benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's going to be a rising push and a rising conversation really led by leaders of the NCAA and college football coaches against any unionization attempt by college athletes. But what we have to do as members of the media is we have to really dig into, well, why don't they want this? And to me, that's the most obvious rationale. Yeah, that's a great point. And so I think there's a misconception as far as timing goes. I think some people think that if you say, oh, well, we want a union, it just like happens. And clearly you've made that known that that's not how it happens. What does the timeline look like for players if they want to continue down this road? And and do you think that given that players move on after three or four years, will that stall a potential movement just because you don't have con- continuity of, of people over time? Yeah, good question. So we're not going to see the unionization, um, in my opinion, of college football players anytime soon. We will see a trade association arise. Um, I wrote about this for the Athletic last fall after the Fair Pay to Play Act was signed. At that point, the NFLPA, through its licensing entity, which is called NFL Players, Inc., it stood up and said, we are going to organize college football players in conjunction with former UCLA men's football player, Ramogi Huma, who has really been working through his organization to do this on his own. Um, so he was behind the Northwestern football unionization attempt. He's been involved in other litigation to secure greater compensation for college athletes. So Ramogi with the NFLPA said, look, like we know how this is done. The NFLPA has done this before. They have the resources. They understand the needs of football players your top college football players come to their organization um, and their licensing entity signaled that they were going to organize the players to secure their group licensing rights. So it's been about a year since that happened. The NFLPA says it is not behind the statements that players made um, a week ago. It's not actively trying to unionize the players, but a definite story to follow is who ends up organizing these young men through a trade association. Um, COVID is driving the need for that to happen ASAP, but that name, image, and likeness legislation is really going to push the pedal to the metal because these trade associations recognize that there's now going to be money to be made through organizing these young men. So in terms of an actual timeline, in my opinion, we could see something as soon as next week. Um, at the latest, my instinct tells me it would be a year from now. Mm. The uh, You talked about the, the COVID stuff, making things a priority. And certainly we're seeing everything be different now. And uh, could be, you know, the new normal, everyone talks about that, could be different later. If it comes to be where all of these uh, student athletes become employees of the university or the conferences or whatever. Um, it's going to obviously completely change the system of, you know, college athletics in this country. Uh, I mean, you're talking about paying taxes and would you still be given a scholarship or are you given money and then you pay for the sco- you know, pay for the school yourself. I don't know how that would work, but I mean, if, you know, just throwing out there to become employees, like that's really going to change how everything is done right in college athletics. If that happens. It doesn't have to be. So there's plenty of students across the United States who are on scholarship and are also an employee of their university because they either have part-time work there, um, they're either a research assistant. So there's likely hundreds of thousands, if not millions of students already in this nation who are on some sort of scholarship and also hold employment within their university. All that is going to change is how you account (laughs) and how, what type of form you send a person at the end of the tax year. So I think oftentimes when something has happened in a certain way for so long, we as a society become what's called myopic. We get into this habit of saying, well, This is the way it's always been done, so this is the way it has to be done. 
But things change, and the NCAA and college sports have drastically changed over the last 36 years since 1984 when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of individual universities and allowed them to reclaim their broadcasting rights. Since that Supreme Court decision, revenues in the NCAA have skyrocketed. Across the NCAA alone, there is $14 billion of revenue generated annually. And so the NCAA of 2020 looks drastically different than the NCAA that existed when these rules were put in place. Because of the high levels of revenue, the demands on your top college athletes are greater than ever before. And those demands really signal that they are no longer just athletes. They're no longer contractors. They're indeed employees. And so we have to look at the law that our country has adopted, and we should apply the law the same way it applies to every other worker in the United States to these men. Um, and we can't be afraid of the changes that are necessitated when we do that. Interesting stuff there. Wow. Just, uh, yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that's going to be tough. How are you going to be employees? But that I mean, definitely showing a different way. I know we only have, we, you got limited time. You're in the middle of your work day. We got a couple minutes left. I wanted to, because it's a big deal here with the PAC 12 and the big 10, canceling or postponing college football. We're sort of in this limbo period while we're waiting for the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. They look like they're going to play, but they could cancel at any time. Um, what do you see as like the potential liability for an SEC program, like you mentioned Nick Saban, if they go out and a player gets really sick and has maybe has some kind of like permanent heart condition because of going out to play college football when – other major conferences decided to stop playing and, and you know if they have to stop halfway through is is there really a, a you know potential for all kinds of lawsuits if something happens when those other major conferences actually go out and play football yeah there, there's certainly a potential for lawsuits there's reports circulating that ncaa athletes across different conferences are being asked to sign waivers um, where they're basically giving up any right to sue should something happen to them during the course of play amidst a pandemic. Um, I haven't seen any of those waivers, so I need to take a look at them to see how they would operate. But with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 stepping down, it begins to set what's called a standard of care. So should anything, and let's pray and knock on wood that nothing happens to any of these people who are competing in sports, but should something happen um, you're basically looking at tort liability, either under a wrongful death or a negligence lawsuit. And what you really care about in those types of lawsuits is what's called the standard of care. And so what the standard of care looks at is what would a reasonable school or conference do in this situation? Arguably, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 looking at the data available to them and saying, yeah, we're just going to shut it down. Um, should something happen in the other conferences, that fact is definitely going to be brought up at trial. And one thing that really struck me last week is the SEC sent a press release after the um, Big Ten and Pac-12 made their announcements, where the press release was basically just a statement from Commissioner Sankey saying, we want to see the data that the Pac-12 and Big Ten looked at to make their decision because we believe we have valid medical data. And so come to be that the data that they relied upon talks about this heart condition that a number of athletes have sustained. That's really serious. It's like a lifelong condition. So let's just hope nobody gets that. But should they, they have a pretty interesting legal claim to make against the conferences. The, the key thing to focus on right now, though, is the waivers. And that's where a organization representing these athletes is really needed right now because where that organization would step in is they would look at and evaluate the waiver. Um, the leaders of those organizations tend to be attorneys who are very skilled in these types of things, and they could provide good advice to the men on this is acceptable, this is not acceptable, here's what we need to negotiate into it, so on and so forth. So there's some really unfair, arguably, negotiations taking place right now, because you could argue that these young men are being forced to enter into these contracts, um, which raises a bunch more legal issues that if we had six weeks to discuss, I could walk you through all of that. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically doing law school 101. So yeah, to, to answer your question more succinctly, there's going to be lawyers. 
Yeah. <laughs> but usually you get, you talk to lawyers, you get a lot of, you know, it depends. And we didn't get any of that. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. that's, you know. that's always the answer. I tell my students that I'm like, look, each of you can at least get some points on a test because the first thing you should always write down on a legal test is it depends. Now the problem is, is you have to tell me what it depends on and you have to reach a conclusion. But yeah, that's funny that you say that. Yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, Alicia, just up, uh, follow her on Twitter at ruling sports. Uh, she's a law professor over at Pepperdine and you can check out her work in the athletic. Um, yeah, definitely go read uh, her piece from a couple days ago uh, on this. And there's going to be a lot more. I'm sure follow the, the Twitter stuff is great. There's other legal things we wanted to get to. We don't have time today, but we'll hopefully we can get you on, uh, we'll do down the road time. <laughs> but we appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Great job. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks so much to Alicia and uh, Keely, everyone else. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. We need to talk. The acclaimed Showtime original docuseries Couples Therapy returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says Couples Therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's break up or break through on the new season of Couples Therapy. Now streaming with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit ParamountPlus.com to try it free.